Hi, welcome to the Her Influence podcast. So glad you could join us if you're listening in real time. It is summer over here in Canada. You can notice my Aussie accent. My name is Vanessa Hoyes. I'm coming to you from Montreal, Quebec. Actually live here, been here for five years from Australia. So summertime is something we crave and long for. And we're just believing that you are flourishing wherever you are and really enjoying this time of year if you're here in Canada and where it's been such a huge season in 2020. We're praying that there's some ability to pause and reflect and also connect in this season. Who knows what the new normal is going to look like, but this new normal and this new pathway is exactly why we've been hosting through the crisis, the true conversations online, Facebook Live, YouTube, and just had some of the most incredible wisdom poured into us during COVID. And then we believe that this wisdom is timeless. It's not just crisis wisdom, but it's tools and voice and words for your new normal and the new pathways that God is actually creating. I love that our lead catalyst Kathy always says our lives may feel interrupted but we're going to see this as a divine intermission and so we're excited for today's podcast and we're believing today that this podcast will be so helpful for you and as every single podcast is I would you could listen to it driving along you could listen to it just as you're um, cleaning your house or going for a run or doing whatever you're doing but today's podcast you might actually want to be taking some notes on because we actually have with us an incredible financial uh piece of wisdom coming to us, more than one piece of wisdom, multiplied pieces of wisdom coming to us from Jennifer Carnegie. And we are going to make a formal introduction of her in the podcast itself, but she's a financial coach and mentor, owns a business, wife and mother, and she is just phenomenal. The thing is, girls, about our interview today with Jen Carnegie is you really, really would love to be sitting somewhere at a desk taking notes because her wisdom is rich and I really believe her wisdom is going to spark and inspire some of you to um, ways and methods to steward your finances but I believe there might also come some real open doors of um, God ideas that are going to come to you as you're listening to Jen. You're going to love her. You're going to want to take a million pages of notes. Listen to it first time round wherever you are and then sit back down again and listen to it again and share it with every single woman in your world as you just listen to this financial wisdom that she brings. So we're going to dive straight into this podcast. So glad that you've joined us. Really trusting that you are thriving wherever you are. And on behalf of Gather, the lead team here at Gather, my co-host, Kathy and Caitlin, we just want to bless your summer, bless the season you're in and really pray that you are finding space to thrive. So why don't we jump straight into the podcast now with Jen Carnegie. Welcome to the Her Influence Podcast. 
calling women to rise in purpose and influence your world with real voices, bold words, and whole hearts. The Her Influence podcast is created on behalf of Gather Women by Women in Canada for women everywhere to rise in their leadership influence wherever they are planted. We are grateful for our sponsor partnership for Season 3, Horizon College and Seminary, and in partnership with Sisterhood YXE and Lead Women, a women's cohort designed to provide women with a graduate education in ministry leadership that empowers them to bring transformational change to their churches, communities, and world with full or part-time and geographical flexibility. Find out more at horizon.edu. And now, here are your hosts, Kathy Ostapchuk, Vanessa Hoyes, and Caitlin Say. Well, welcome today. This is both our true conversation and then often these conversations are also on our Her Influence podcast. And so it's so great to have you in this room today and wherever and whenever you listen to it, I can imagine the wisdom that's going to come from today is not only helpful for our now, but going to be very helpful for our next and our long-term future. And so I have the privilege of introducing Jennifer Carnegie today and she is a wife, a mother, a business owner, and a financial coach and mentor. And so that is all what we're going to be diving into today. And um, just a little bit of history and background to Jennifer, and I'm sure she'll say more, but she started her career as a CMA um, in accounting and then moved into business with her husband and um, married for 28 years. Oh my gosh, just that alone would be wisdom to learn from you. And they've been business partners all their life too. So there's another whole podcast on working and being married for that long. And so they've got 14 financial services branch offices across Ontario and want to grow that number to 50 in the next seven to 10 years. So not only are we going to learn today, I think some of these financial tips, but really business and carrying really vision like that in your heart is incredible, Jennifer. So I love, we love that you love Jesus and you've got a gorgeous daughter um, and you have a heart for social justice and you're a co-founding member of Women World Changers who support on the ground organisations seeking to eradicate human trafficking in Canada and beyond. So, so many layers to your life. We're just going to get a snapshot of that today. And I love that we're having a true conversation around money management in this season. So we welcome you, Jennifer, to our room today. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, Vanessa, for that introduction. It's always nice to write your own bio. People say nice things about you, but <laughs> I'm just teasing. Um, it really is a privilege to be here. Uh, my good friend, Rebecca Doner, um, who I have uh, grown to love incredibly. Um, God has put us together to do some amazing things, um, and uh, that's a story for another day as well. But really do appreciate the time today. Um, like Vanessa mentioned, um, I've really enjoyed these gather uh, true conversations. I've, I've hopped on a few of them and I've gleaned so much. And so if I can impart a little bit with you today to take away, um, I would be uh, happy to do that. Uh, Money is always a difficult thing to talk about. And, um, you know, as I, I look over the last 28 years of my life, I've learned so much. I've seen uh, a lot of areas where people struggle. I will say 
Um, one of the passions that I have right now is helping uh, women uh, in the area of money. And that's not to say that we don't uh, take a lot of time to educate families and a lot of who we work with are couples for sure. Uh, but I thought I would really kind of make it specific to women today. Um, and hopefully give you some tips and some encouragement. Um, I do find, I was talking to Rebecca, I find that, you know, um, and I'm going to share my screen on this right now, actually, so I can sort of uh, go from there. Sorry, I should have had my presentation up and I did not. Oh, my. Zoom 101, what not to do. Okay. Sorry, ladies. This is not my first Zoom, I promise you. I have actually become quite proficient <laughs> uh, in the last little while. Okay, here we go. Let's You're start. You're doing this. great. Um, Thank from you. From the beginning. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I've really, I've got so much uh, uh, from uh, these gather sessions, and I'm really excited uh, to be here with you today and really want to share some strategies. I do talk fast, uh, so you can slow me down uh, whenever need be. Uh, and we will have some time for questions at the end. I mean, I could really go on for hours and talking about, um, you know, money and women and finances and really how, you know, I really believe that God, uh, oh, there's my family. Um, that's my husband, Sean. Hmm. And my beautiful daughter, Kristen, she's 16 years old and um, just uh, the love of our life. But you know, I really do believe that uh, God has, um, you know, when you talk to Christian circles, a lot of times there's this kind of preconceived idea that money, uh, don't talk about money, uh, money, you know, money's evil, money's not evil. Um, um, the love of money is evil. Um, but, you know, in scripture, there's basically 400 verses in the Bible that talk about faith. Um, there's 500 verses or more that talk about prayer. Um, but there's over 2,350 verses in the Bible that talk about money and financial stewardship. And so, you know, to my way of thinking, I think, you know, God obviously cares uh, about money. He cares how we steward money. He cares that we are good uh, stewards of that and that we do things wisely with our money. Uh, I will tell you <clears throat> a little story, you know, a few years ago, probably going back five or six years ago, um, I remember a couple different things happened at that time. Um, Sean and, and my business was doing very well. Um, we were having a lot of financial success. And um, I had been blessed to be around a lot of uh, Christians who were having success and uh, great role models and mentors. And I remember praying um, the prayer of Jabez. And if you've ever read the prayer of Jabez, it talks about, you know, um, it, it's basically praying uh, Jabez. Jabez praying to God and asking, you know, please expand my territory, give me more. And Sean and I have always been of the mindset that I want more um, financial and otherwise in my life so that I can bless other people. You know, I would rather make, you know, more money so that I can give more money away. Um, we had been to a um, conference. It was a Christian conference by uh, Advisors with Purpose. And it was kind of based on the philosophy of Larry Burkett's book, uh, Business by the Book. So business being the Bible, um, uh, sorry, business being business and the Bible being the book. And really, what does God want us to do and how does he want us to steward our money and our life and our businesses? And in there, it talked about the fact that everything that we have is God's. You know, if I own a business today, if you own a business today, it's not your business. It's God's business. And so you have to look to the Bible to tell you how to steward that. 
So we went to that course and that was a real eye opener for me. Um, and then, as I said, I was praying the prayer of Jabez and God spoke to me in that time. And he said to me, why would I give you more? Why would I expand your territory more? Why would I give you more when you're not really doing that good of a job with the money that I have given you? And it was really kind of a, it was one of those moments where it was like, oh my gosh, you're right. You're right, God. I mean, there was a lot of things in our lives that we were spending money on that as I look back, I'm, I'm embarrassed about it. And I think a lot of people, a lot of women get in a situation um, where they do. There's an embarrassment around money. Um, I also think for a lot of families and even in Christian circles, especially uh, the talk of money is taboo. And so I want to start out by saying I want to talk about money today <laughs> and I hope um, be able to give you some tips um, on how you can better steward that. You know, um, I love the fact that Gather is all about, you know, educating and empowering and equipping. Um, those are the three things that I've been talking uh, to women in in seminars these days. And really, you know, people want to have the information and I think especially women do. You know, as I take a look, freedom can mean a lot of different things for people. Um, you know, each of us on the line today, we probably have some goals and dreams, some things that we want to make happen in our lives. Um, we want quality of life. We want to make a difference, right? We want to be able to give back, retire, travel, spend time with family, all of those things. Um, some of us are in the prime of our life right now. I kind of feel like this some days, right? I feel like I'm Wonder Woman. Um, and for me a lot these days, it's I wonder where I left my keys. I wonder where I put my purse. I wonder where all the money went. Um, I feel like Wonder Woman a lot. Uh, but some of us are young adults. And I, I see some young people um, uh, in the room today. Um, some just starting out in life. And, you know, the cost of living has increased incredibly. If I look back, and Rebecca, you'd know this being in real estate, but the price of a house in the GTA back in 19. 88 was just over 200,000. You take a look at it today, you're paying a million dollars for that same house. So there's challenges of inflation and all that. You know, weddings, cars, you take a look at the average cost of raising a child all the way to 18. Um, shocking. Uh, $250,000, right? That's even before you send them off to university. And so Knowing how to plan for that's important. Um, some of us have grown children who have left home and now they're coming back, <laughs> moving back in home, right? And it's like moving back. Kids are so lazy today. We all say about the millennials, they're so lazy. Well, I don't necessarily believe they are. You know, I think uh, it says you're so irresponsible. Your mother and I started out with nothing and uh, coming home with student loans and all that. Uh, the poor young man is like, I wish I was starting out with nothing. So, uh, and then a lot of us are stuck in the sandwich generation, and we've got young kids, we've got aging parents, um, we're trying to juggle it all, we're trying to be that Wonder Woman. And uh, so what I want to say to you today, and I've kind of heard this theme throughout, especially um, when Mary and Jillian were speaking, um, is to kind of breathe, <laughs> give yourself a little bit of uh, um, uh, grace in this time, um, you you know, Rome wasn't conquered in a day. Um, I was at the Coliseum in November. Thank goodness we, it was earlier in the year, not later in the year. But, um, you know, it, 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 you're not going to be able to solve all your financial challenges in a day. But I think getting on track and understanding what's required um, is the first step. And so <clears throat> we take a look at some of the challenges today, and you can read the stats out there, but the bottom line is um, that women, for the most part, we are at a disadvantage, whether it's dealing with financial institutions, um, whether it's, you know, our careers and, and you know, whatever it is, um, women really 
uh, are struggling and oftentimes we are behind. You take a look at uh, equal pay for equal money. I- I'm not all about equality. I'm, e- I'm all about equal opportunity. Um, I- I'm not looking for anything special, but I do think at the end of the day, just given certain situations, we are at a disadvantage financially. And that's why I think that the education, the in- equipping and the empowerment is so important. Um, you take a look even in the workforce, right? Um, the stats are out there. Women are nearly three times more likely than men to quit work. And that's obvious, right? We have that maternal instinct and we want to raise our kids. Uh, but at the end of the day, we still do have those goals and dreams. I think for most of us, we want to be able to look after our families. We want to be able um, to spend time with our family when we want to. And we want to we want to be well off, right? Uh, financially and not have to worry about money. So the number one thing I hear most times from families and from women in particular was where do I start? Where do I start? What do I do? And I want to give you just a quick five step and I really want to honor the time today um, and I won't go over. I got a lot of information, but uh, number one, I think you got to develop the plan. Uh, number two, you've got to protect that plan. Number three, you've got to get a handle on debt. Number four, you have to learn the fundamentals of investing. And number five is about getting started and getting started right away. If I take a look at it, one of the things I love most in developing plans or even working with new advisors that we bring on board is be is helping them through the process, right? The first thing I said was developing the plan. You've got to identify, prioritize your goals. What's important to Rebecca isn't going to be important to Vanessa necessarily, right? So you've got to sit down and you've got to identify what's important to you. What are some of the things that you want to do? And you've got to take time to write this down. I think it's a perfect time right now in the season that we're in as Kathy has mentioned it's kind of a it's not an interruption uh, uh what do we oh, I forget what you called it but I, I loved it I wrote it down somewhere but I think it's so important that take time to do these things right I know we're busy but find remind yourself of the things that are important to you you've got to identify those priorities and I think the next thing is you've got to get a game plan you know, any books you read out there on finances, they will tell you it's critical to get a needs analysis. We do one for our, our clients. Ours is complimentary, confidential. I'm not here to promote um, my business, but what I'm telling you is you've got to get a game plan. You know, I think about most people spend more time planning one annual vacation um, than they do their entire financial future. So you need a roadmap. It would be crazy, especially for me, to try to bake a cake without having a recipe. I need the recipe. I need the steps. I need to know what are my ingredients and I need to know what I need to do in order to get that beautiful cake at the end of the day. So you need a GPS. You need to. It's critical. And only one in four women, by the way, have a formalized financial plan. That goes straight up for families, but more so for women, because most times it is the man in the family, even still nowadays, that looks after the finances. Um, I talked about developing a plan, you know, just a couple quick tips, um, and I can't go through everything I, I would like to today, but do you know your financial independence number? Do you know how much money you need at retirement? If you want to retire in 30 years from now with $30,000 in income in today's dollars, you need to take account inflation. And if we look at inflation, um, I believe when we come out of COVID, somebody's going to have to pay for the debt that's been incurred. 
And we can have all differing opinions, I'm sure, but uh, it's going to come from taxes and it's going to come from increased inflation. I love the fact um, that we will be buying Canadian. I think we'll hear more of that, but there's going to be a cost to that. Um, so if you wanted $30,000 a year in 30 years from now, with 3% inflation, you need $73,000 a year to buy the same amount of groceries that 30,000 30, will buy you today. So what that means is you need $1 million to reach your financial independence number. That is your financial independence number, sorry. You've got to save at 9% rate of return, you've got to save $585. Now, everybody's plan is different, but this is the principle behind it. You've got to have a, a plan that takes into account inflation, and then you need that step-by-step -step process. The second thing was about protecting the plan. That's just a fancy word for life insurance, but I will tell you the fundamental foundation for all good financial plans is life insurance. And I think people are realizing their mortality now more than ever. Um, I believe, we believe um, that you don't need life insurance for your whole life. The industry pretty much sells a product that combines insurance and savings together in a plan. Um, I believe, we believe that you don't, that's the wrong kind of insurance. Most financial experts will recommend term insurance. See if this makes sense for you. In the early years, you got young kids, you've got debt, you've got a high responsibility, right? Your responsibilities are high, but your savings are low. You don't have a lot of money built up. But if you start saving systematically in a great plan and you start to accumulate wealth, at the same time, over time, your responsibilities will decrease. If you get to the point where the kids are grown up, the debt's paid off, do you really have a need for life insurance if you've got a significant savings built up? And the answer is you don't. This is called the theory of decreasing responsibility. And so what we believe is that you need to get insurance the most you can at the most economical way you can, which is term insurance, and over time, get rid of life insurance. You don't need it long term. See, you should be buying insurance the exact way you buy any other. You should be buying life insurance the same way you buy any other type of insurance, right? Would you ever buy a car insurance plan that had savings inside the car insurance? No. What about your home insurance? No, of course not. The same should hold true for life insurance. So consumers need to know that they should never combine insurance and savings together, always keep them separate. And this isn't me saying it or my husband or a company. It really is what the experts will tell you to do. And this is the part about the education. I encourage people, go out, do your research. There's so many great books. I always say, don't listen to me. Don't listen to the industry. Listen to somebody who's really got no vested interest in trying to sell you a product or service. And the information's out there. We just have to do our due diligence. Here's some others. Susie Orman is one of my favorite. Um, again, she'll tell you all different uh, types of plans that are out there on the insurance side of things and what you should do and why you should do it. If we take a look at mortgage and credit insurance, I don't have time to go through it now, but there's a big difference between mortgage insurance and credit insurance uh, and how they work. There's some key elements in there that most people don't know about. I have a little clip down in the bottom. Go check out, uh, it's about a 20 minute video. It's on YouTube. It's called uh, cbc.ca marketplace. It's called In Denial. Um, take a picture of that, watch it. It will explain to you exactly how mortgage insurance works. 
And it's not in the consumer's best interest. I kind of sound like a rebel. I know I do, but there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of information in the marketplace. Um, you just have to go find the information and make sure the sources are correct. You got to get a handle on debt. Um, you know, the, everybody loves the idea of compound interest, but um, you if there's also bad news about compounding interest, right? If you did you know that if you had a three thousand dollar one time purchase. Um, let's say you went to the Leons or the Brick, and you um, you decided to finance that uh, at an 18% cost of borrowing, which is typical when you're dealing with some of those institutions. If all you did was pay the minimum back, it would t- it, you would pay over $2,000 in interest alone. I always you know joke about the fact it's not a joke, but if you think about um, that couch you bought for $3,000, right? Uh, it would take you 10 years to pay it off. The couch is long gone. You're still paying for the couch, right? I remember back in the day, my dad um, would say, you know, four more payments and we get to bring that couch home. Um, And today credit is just so readily available. And that's an area that people really do need to understand what's the difference between revolving debt and fixed debt. You need to find out about that. Um, Talking about the fourth step was about the fundamentals of investing. And again, um, there's a bunch of them out there and I would love, um, I can't go through them today. If you wanna jump on one of our um, uh, webinars, let me know. Um, Women and money seminars, we do those, business and seminars, uh, business and and money seminars. Um, Inflation, you know, the rule of 72. The importance of getting started earlier, uh, early dollar cost averaging is a concept that if I had time, I'd go through it. It would absolutely blow your mind um, about how dollar cost averaging can help long term. Different types of savings vehicles out there. You need to educate yourself on this. It, it, the information is there. We just need to find a, a coach to help us uh, uh, navigate through it. Uh, and the last thing is not to panic over uh, uh, the headlines. Let me ask you a question, and I just want to do this as uh, I can see Rebecca and I can see Vanessa. So let me ask you a quick question. Actually, I'll ask all of you. Um, Let me ask you, if you had a choice between having a penny a day and it would double every day for 31 days, or at the end of 31 days, I'll give you a million dollars cash. Anybody for the million dollars, put your hand up. Okay, you're all too smart. Anybody want a penny a day? (laughs) You got to pick one. I need some hands. I need some participation. Okay, so check this out. Most people will say they want a million dollars. They'll take the million dollars. Why would I want a penny? Doubling? Come on. If you take a look at it, though, if I've got a penny and it's doubling every day, right? By the end of the week, you can see, obviously, the person that took the million dollars is feeling pretty good. 64 cents. Vanessa has 64 cents. Rebecca still got the million. Take a look at the end of the second week. Compound interest, right? Rebecca's still feeling pretty good. She's got a million. Vanessa, third week, Vanessa's got 10,000. Rebecca's still feeling great. Look at the compounding. The compounding, the effects of compound interest is so powerful. Albert Einstein says it's the most powerful force in the universe. Check this out. By the end of the 31 days, now Vanessa has $10 million and Rebecca's only got her million dollars. And so we need to understand the importance uh, of compound interest. The rule of 72, very quickly, it basically says if you divide 72 by a given interest rate, it will tell you how often it takes your money to double. 
And I'm not saying where you can get three, six, or 12. We can talk about that another day, but I want to illustrate the power of compound interest. I went to school, university, for five years, and I learned all these fancy you know, formulas and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, um, this is a simple rule. My daughter, when she was in her grade eight class at Mount Albert Public School, Rebecca, she went in and taught the class the rule of 72. This is what should be taught in school. We have a how many works brochure for kids, and this is in there. If you take the rule of 72 and you divide it by 3%, if you've got a $10,000 investment, you can see that your money's going to double because three goes into 72 24 times. So it's going to take 24 years for your money to double. So in 24 years, the 10 doubles to 20, another 24 years, the 20 doubles to 40. So if I'm getting 6% as a rate of return, 6 goes into 72 12 times, but I'm thinking, now my money's going to double every 12 years, but I'm thinking, well, I'm probably 3, 6%, probably I should have double the money. Not so. Power of compound interest. Take a look at this. If you're getting a 12% rate of return, and again, we can talk about at another time where you can do that, but th just think of the concept. 12 goes into 72 six times. Now money's doubling every six years. The difference at the end of 48 years is phenomenal. If you don't know the rules of the money game, how are you ever going to win? right? Here's another one I talked about. You've got to start early. So here's investor A, investor B. See, I was told a long time ago, the best time to plant a tree was 100 years ago. But the next best time is today. If we take an example of an investor at age 22, puts $5,000 a year away just to age 29, never puts another penny away. By the time they're 65 at a 9% rate of return, they're going to have 1.5 million. They put 40,000 away. They only saved till they were 29, never saved another penny. Um, the other sister, since we're sisters on the line, the other sister uh, was out doing uh, a lot of different things, shopping and traveling and all those things. She missed out those first few years from age two, uh, 22 to 29, didn't save a penny. Look at all the years that she has to save to get about the same amount of money at age 65. See, most people, if you're not 22 today like me, I get that, uh, but it is never too late to start and it's never too early to start as well. You've got to do that. The last thing I want to leave you with is don't panic about the press. You know, most people nowadays, um, they're very excited, you know, uh, uh, very nervous. I'm sorry, they're fearful. Um, I believe fear and faith cannot exist in the heart at the same time. I know some of the speakers have already said that. Um, I believe that God uh, will not, you, it's, they're incompatible thoughts. And uh, I believe that if we live and operate in faith, you know, people say, how do you keep your faith? Well, I think most of the women on the line uh, today understand that uh, but prayer is a big one right anytime I'm, I have anxiety or anything over what's going on uh, right now is, is is prayer another thing is I don't listen to the news <laughs> unfortunately um, sensationalism I was reading this morning actually something on CBC uh, it talked about why you know are, is, are they telling us now to go out amidst COVID um, when the virus is still out there but and there's no cure yet 
and yet they're still telling us to go out there. And it talked about the fact that the news only sells the negative. Um, you don't hear the stories about the guy who had COVID, who ran a marathon, <clears throat> excuse me, and was okay. And so even CBC was saying <laughs> that the news uh, loves sensationalism and negative sales. And the same thing with investing. That's one of the reasons that I believe actively manage portfolios and not the do-it-yourself investor will win long-term. And I could have that debate uh, with, with anybody uh, if they, not a debate, I could have the discussion um, if anybody wanted to. But the bottom line is you got to stay the course. You've got to stay the course. We've been through this. Um, this is an article on some of the world epidemics and what has happened in the stock market afterwards. So it's not a time to panic. It's a time to stay invested. It's this time to stay calm. It's the time to stay the course. And the last thing is you got to get started right away. Um, it really is about taking control. I know at the end of the day, God's in control and we surrender all of that to him. But the truth is, is that he has equipped us with a brain, with the ability to do things. So what can you do? It is a step-by-step -step process. And I started out by saying it's exactly what Gather is talking about. It's about educating. It's about understanding. It's about sharing strategies and implementation. Find a coach. Get an analysis done. Protect yourself and your family. Eliminate debt. Pay yourself first. And learn to manage your own financial future. And um, that's about all. I, I hope I didn't go over on time. I may have. Um, but I just wanted to share that with you guys today. I really do appreciate um, being able to be with you. And um, thank you for your time. Wow. <laughs> I think we need to just Zoom clap, Jennifer, for that power time. You did not go over at all. It was rich and substantial and so um, informative. So thank you, Jennifer, for this beautiful blend. I was actually texting my husband in the middle of it. This is awesome. So taking photos, taking lots of photos. And then Rebecca was saying she'll put lots of links down and references to what you were talking about. So um, we, are, we there's going to be questions. So we've got a good amount of time now. For some questions so I'll hand it over to sure. Rebecca and she's just going to host some questions for you. Okay. Hi Jen thanks so much I have to thank you personally so Jen as she said she is a good friend of mine and and I always say to her even though we're not that different in age that she is who I'm going to be when I grow up she's the only person I think who whose lifestyle has the energy and I talk just as fast as you Jen I love it I love it <laughs> how my brain works. So um, we're just going to have some questions. There are quite a few, but I'm going to invite some of the ladies to voice their own questions. So the first one is from Shereen. Hi. Um, hi, hi, Jen. My question is about um, that whole idea of saving and eliminating debt. So, you know, even in our family, my husband and I, you know, our goal is to eliminate debt and, and including the mortgage. But then you hear from people who loan you mortgage money or even people that are friends who just say, if you can pay your mortgage off for 25 years or for 30 years, or you can pay those things, like you're not hurting in terms of paying your credit card bills and your debt on that regular monthly, then why would you use all that money and try and be in a rush to pay that all off? You know, you can. So my question is, is it one better than the other or is it just that they're different? 
You know what? I love that question. And uh, I really did want to spend more time on that. But just for the sake of today, I couldn't. So I'm really glad, Shereen, that you asked it. Um, so a lot of times that is the question, right? Do I pay down my mortgage? Do I pay off the credit cards? What order? Um, if I can borrow interest uh, at, at 1%, why would I pay it off if I can borrow at 1% and invest at 7%, right? That whole idea of leverage. Um, I will tell you this. Um, it is biblical um, that we are not to have debt. Um, I, I think there's a balance, right? And, and I, I, I'm certainly not, don't want to misquote, uh, but, but I do believe that uh, there's a, two points. Number one is there's a concept called debt stacking. And if I had time, I would have gone through it, but look it up. It's, it's, it's a fundamental philosophy. It's a concept. Most people, Shireen, say, okay, if I've got my mortgage, I always pay my mortgage. If I've got all these other credit cards, I'm going to give a little bit to everybody. I'm going to give everybody, you know, share the wealth, share the love, give everybody a little bit. That is the worst possible thing that you can do. You should actually pay the minimum on a few of them. And there's a systematic approach to that um, that I could talk to you about or you could, you could do the research on it. But at the end of the day, the idea is, is to accelerate one of the payments first, the mortgage last. Okay, traditionally, it's the high interest one that you get rid of first. And the way debt stacking works is that if you, pay, you take, let's just say, for instance, you had five credit cards. Um, they all had $1,000 and you were paying $100 a month on each of them right? Drop that down, pay only the minimum, which is maybe $20. Take all that incremental money and put it off on the highest interest credit card first. When, when that card is paid off and the money that you were applying, now you stack it onto the next debt. And so you accelerate that next debt. Because if you just give everybody a little bit, you're never going to get, it's just, and, and the other side of it is, and I had that up there about, you need to do the research on the difference between revolving debt and fixed debt. A mortgage, not a line of credit. So many people are doing the HELOCs now where they'll take the high interest, uh, the home equity loan. So as you pay your mortgage down, the line of credit opens up, worst thing ever. Worst thing ever. Over in Europe right now, nobody will ever own their home because of the fact that they're, they're, all they're ever doing is paying interest. So you got to get as much in fixed debt as you can. A mortgage is a fixed debt. It's kind of a good debt if there was such a thing. Revolving debt is the most damaging. So I know that was a long answer to your question, but my answer to most families is let the mortgage be the last because you are building equity. You're not building any equity in credit cards or cars or lines of credit. So get rid of them first. Take the debt stacking principle and that theory and take a systematic approach to paying them off and stack the payments. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I was more thinking about in terms of having mortgage debt and living with that as opposed to trying to pay it off as soon as possible. Okay, sorry, and you should have interrupted me long ago because I took the longest time. Somebody else might have needed that information. Somebody else might have needed that information. Okay, okay, that's that's fair enough. Thank you for that, Grace. Um, You know what? I I believe that you've got people say, "Should I pay down my mortgage or save?" You you saw the cost of waiting. So, um, I believe that people need to operate within a framework of what they have peace with. 
And if you're okay from a peace standpoint, I, I do think that it should be paid off and geared up to be paid off by the time you retire. So whatever that works out in your analysis, somebody can figure that out for you. I don't, I don't like seeing people going into retirement with a mortgage. But by the same token, the cost, the opportunity cost lost of not investing in that time frame can be very significant. And procrastination is the worst thing ever, right? People say, oh, well, I'll get around to it. I'll get around to it. I could, again, show some illustrations on what it costs just by waiting, <clears throat> excuse me, just by waiting two years and not investing. So theoretically, I'm not a big fan of leveraging, but the mortgage is the one that I feel is a good debt if I have to have one. And the way interest rates are today, they're relatively low. I can see them moving up. So if you can lock in in the next while, I think it's wise. But long answer to your short question is, I think the mortgage is fine. Just don't take it into retirement. Okay. Thank you, Jen. And now I'm going to invite Stacy. Stacy has a question for us. Um, my question, Jennifer, has to do with um, auto and homeowners insurance um, and just what would you suggest are, um, like, how do you shop for it? Mm -hmm. Um, like renewals are just coming in. I've got a couple of young adults and, you know, like my, my son is recently married. He's 21 and he's like, mom, it's like $300 a month. And I drive a 15 year old vehicle and he has like an impeccable driving record. So the, I feel like the variables we used to use, to navigate that um, industry have changed and I don't know how to help them um, navigate it. And at the same time, I feel like um, the resources we used to use, like going to a broker or, you know, those sorts of things too. Um, so yeah. What are, what are your thoughts around shopping for that sort of thing? And yeah. Yeah, that's a, that is a great question, um, and I, it has changed a little bit, Stacy. But there, the the whole idea of a broker. There's a lot of online brokers now that can do quotes. Um, and again, I'm not promoting myself, but with us, for instance, we have a, a strategic partner we deal with, and they literally will go out and get ten different quotes in the industry, um, and they will mix and match the best possible. So I think the number one thing is, first of all, I think a lot of people make the mistakes about not trying to get quotes and not check. They kind of get in the routine of paying and they just forget, oh my gosh, I haven't, you know, tried to shop around uh, home and auto. And, and there's some significant savings out there if you do. So that's the number one thing. So, so kudos to you <laughs> for doing that. Um, but the second thing is, is there are, uh, you know, with technology, the beautiful part is there's a lot of online um, um, brokers that have the ability very quickly to get some good quotes. So again, um, you know, uh, um, they're out there. They're out there for sure. And, and you're very wise in doing that, especially as kids get older, right? Because there's different insurance companies that are definitely better for young drivers in the household. Um, so good for you. Yeah, thank you. Okay, our next question I've been asked to pass on. So what about, uh, do you have any thoughts or opinions on someone who would have a rental property? Um, is there a time when, uh, you, should you keep that? Is there a time when it serves to sell that, to pay debt? Um, do you have any sort of standard rules of thumb about, um, you know, if it's not making money one year, if it is, or just any general considerations? 
Yeah, I mean, that is a good question. And, that, and you know, usually people have uh, uh, differing opinions on that. Um, I have a really neat presentation from my perspective, which is obviously the financial services side of things. But um, real estate and rental uh, can Obviously, you're building equity. And Rebecca, you're in the real estate, so you can probably answer from the other side uh, for me on this one. But for me, um, you know, I look at the I look at the um, the real estate side of things. Um, the you know the requirements of tenants, um, good tenants, collecting money. Um, I personally prefer an investment vehicle that doesn't call me up, uh, that doesn't talk back, that doesn't not pay me. Um, so. So real estate, as in a rental, uh, uh, and, and from an investment perspective, I find has a lot um, uh, more challenges to it. But diversification is awesome. And people that do have uh, rental properties uh, obviously can do quite well. I think it's, it's difficult to try to time that market. Um, so as far as the timing as to when people should sell, uh, I'm dealing with some clients right now, and they're actually, they are liquidating. They feel they've missed um, the, the window uh, on selling. Um, but as they go into retirement, they just didn't want to have the hassles of having to collect money. Um, so I, I, I don't know that I'm the best. I'll be honest. I don't know I'm the best to answer that question. Uh, Rebecca, you're probably better at that than I. <laughs> I'll, I'll send her a message with my thoughts later. But I think you what, what you said is accurate, which is there isn't always a, a, a straight yes or no, and it's, yeah. it's sort of different in, in every circumstance. So yeah. um, I, I would I would sort of say as a, pat, as a flat answer, that's what it is. Um, so then the, the next question I think I had sent you before, which is um, you touched a little bit earlier on the shame that money mm-hmm. can bring. And so if someone is in a position where they've got themselves into a mess and they know and it, it's become a secret sort of shame for them. They know they need help and they don't know who to go to. They how Any encouragement or words of just how to make that first step? Um, maybe they've tried and tried and tried on their own for years to resolve it, reading books and it's not doing anything. Just maybe if you could speak to, like, are there a simple couple first steps they could do to just, you know, that, that, that all hope is not lost? You know what, and and I'm I'm glad that you brought that up because um, I, I think for a lot of people that is the case. We sit down sometimes um, with families, and they and and again, I'm not sure how all of you run your finances if you are married. But Sean and I have always had everything together. Um, but we'll sit with families um, sometimes where they've got secrets, and um, we're you know we fill out an analysis and we do this analysis for them, and then all of a sudden I get a call the next day and it's like, hey, uh, he doesn't know, but I have a credit card with five thousand dollars on it, and so that's I think adds to the shame when there is secrets. Um, um, so I think the first step has to be obviously full, uh, full disclosure. I think you've got to give yourself some grace, as I mentioned early, earlier. Um, when people have a physical ailment, they go to a doctor, right? Um, when they have a, a, a weight challenge, they'll go to Weight Watchers, perhaps, um, and, and, and have Weight Watchers and have the accountability. Uh, if people want to get in shape, they'll go to the gym and they'll hire a, a fitness trainer, um, they have that accountability, accountability bit, uh, built in. So 
it should be no different with finances. Um, if there's a challenge, we got to know we can't do it on our own. And I think for women, a lot of times we do think we can handle everything because <laughs> for the most part we can. Uh, but but I, I think the you know the simple steps are is that you've you've got to reach out for help. Um, a do it yourself doesn't work. All of us need coaches and mentors and accountability people in our lives, uh, whether we do that as a couple uh, or as we do that on our own. Um, so um, there's times where, you know, you've, you've just, you've got to reach out and you've got to say, I need help. And, uh, and to give yourself the grace to, to say, you know, I got myself in a situation, but like anything in life, admitting it, I think is, is the biggest step, right? And then reaching out and asking for help. Yeah. Yeah. And probably to realize too, that um, by talking to somebody who is a coach or a mentor, that you'll realize that you're not the first person to, to get yourself into, into that mess. Cause I think one of the lies you hear in that circumstance is that you're the only one who, who couldn't manage your, manage your money responsibly. So just the last question is, what is sort of, is there any sort of major misconception, like something you hear over and over again um, that you just feel like you just like to put down and just say that is not true? Um, and if nothing comes to mind, that's okay. But is there something that you're like, I wish everybody just would stop believing this about their money? Uh, well, it's probably the markets uh, for me, and especially in this day and age, back to that last slide that I talked about. I think that, uh, um, you know, negative is, is what sells. And um, we've seen history. Uh, I don't know what the next 40 years will be like in the market, um, uh, but I do know what the last 40 were like. And I, I really believe that if people would just um, get the plan in place, obviously review the plan, but get the plan in place and then stick to the plan. It's like anything. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Run the play. Don't worry about the noise that exists out there because there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of distractions. But if you stay the course, um, you will have uh, the success financially. So nothing in particular, but that's kind of my thing nowadays. I'm like, stop watching the news. <laughs> stop checking the stock market every day. We've never seen so much volatility ever, um, other than after, you know, some other epidemics. Uh, but we just need to know, right? Uh, and yeah, yeah, I would say that's it right now. And sorry, just one more quick one. Do you believe that um, the answer to having more money is making more money? Um, that's kind of a, uh, um, I don't know if you've ever read the cash flow quadrant. Um, so there are different ways to making money, right? So if you're talking about linear income, there's only so many hours in a day. Um, so, um, linear, I, I, for a lot of us, we can't work anymore, <laughs> right? So we've got to find a way. That's why I say most people in the cash flow quadrant are looking to move from linear income or being self-employed into a business or investment income. So do I believe the only way to make more money is by doing more? I don't. I believe it all comes down to leverage, leveraging your time and leveraging your money. And that will yield uh, more from a financial perspective. Does that answer? 
Yeah, I think so. I think that just that idea that 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 people have a misconception that, oh, if I just made more money or if I just had that job or if I just did that, I would have more, but it's more about the management of it. I think that's good. And so I'm going to yeah. pass back to Vanessa. That's it for questions. We're wrapping up now, I think. Jennifer, we're so grateful for your time today and we really bless you and your business and your life and your legacy and on behalf of Gather, love this connection and really believe we can see a longer term connection happening for many people online here too with you. So um, Rebecca is going to put all the links for how people can find you and um, just connect with you as well. And so thank you so much for your voice today. Okay, what did you think? Did you have to literally just press pause, slow it down a little bit, take so many notes? I know personally I went back and talked to my husband about it and really started to look at some different um, things and ways we wanted to set up our finances based on Jen's wisdom. Uh, in the actual YouTube video, if you want to go watch it there on True Conversations, we've got a Facebook group because our conversations are continuing to be um talked about throughout the months and months ahead. It's our passion to gather to really equip and mobilize you in these ways. But for my husband and I, we really took the chance to learn a little bit more and sit and reflect again and be intentional as we set ourselves up for the future together. So whether you're single, single again, whether you're in business, whether you work corporate, whether you're at home with your children, we just believe that there is great invitation to this season of stewardship right now in seasons like this. And so why don't you just listen to it again and really ask for the voice and wisdom of God on it for you personally. So a huge thanks to Jen for being on our podcast, our Her Influence podcast. Hope that you can stay connected with us girls. There's so much happening online with Gather, so many summer offerings and we're dreaming and planning right now, literally right now, end of July in a strategic um, dreaming and planning session for you and for our nation of Canada and what God wants to shout out of the story of phenomenal women across our nation. And so stay connected with us and be involved with us and be in relationship with us and tell us the good things God is doing in your life and your world and your leadership, wherever God has placed you. So we love you and we bless you. Thanks for leaning in today from me, Vanessa Hoyes here in Montreal, from Kathy in Toronto, and from Caitlin in Saskatchewan, we just want to say we love you and have the most incredible day. Thanks for listening to the Her Influence podcast. Download and share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Go to gatherwomen.com for show notes, resources, and events in your area. We invite you to join the movement to hear the voices of women represented in equal value and strength in all kingdom conversations and to see the presence of women in equal value and strength in every area of influence. And now, rise in purpose and influence your world with real voices, bold words, and whole hearts.